Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. And we're going to listen to our guest speaker today, Anutama Prabhu. Hare Krishna. <coughs> so before Chaitanya Nitai goes, I just want to mention that governing body commissioners have a lot of responsibilities. We're not in charge of fashion. I just, you know, for good or for bad, I just want to clarify that, okay? Whatever credit you want to give doesn't go to me. You have a different opinion also. That don't, don't blame me. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's what I said. I don't get credit for the design nor for the criticism. Either, either one. I, I wash my hands of that. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, because um, we had some very special ceremonies today, we'll save a little time. I won't chant Jai Radha Madhava. We'll do the invocation for the Bhagavatam, and we're going to be reading today a little bit from the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, Amy and Ananda Vrindavan always like us to have topics, so the topic was chosen is uh, the progressive path of bhakti, Small steps lead to Krishna. So like I wanted to talk about. And particularly we're going to read a few verses from the 12th chapter. <clears throat> the 12th chapter of the Gita, of course, there's 18 chapters. 12th chapter is, is a very important one for a few reasons. One, it's often described that the middle six chapters of the Gita are the most important. And the 12th, of course, is the end of that, of that middle six. So it has a lot of emphasis there. Also, for all of us practitioners of bhakti yoga, or as Prabhupada translates, devotional service, this is our chapter. This has got our name. This is devotional service is the name of the 12th chapter. And also in this chapter, Arjuna begins actually with asking a very, very important question. He says, which are considered to be more perfect, those who always properly engaged in your devotional service, or those who worship the impersonal Brahman, the unmanifested. So sometimes among followers of the Vedic culture, this is kind of like the elephant in the room, but Arjuna is a warrior, so he asks the tough questions. I notice uh, some of us, uh, I, I notice sometimes among some of my uh, Vaishnavi friends, like I'll be with some friends I haven't seen in a long time, and, you know, how are you, how's everything going? And then, at least particularly my experience is the ladies have a particular ability to come right in and ask like the toughest questions you know like your mother was sick is she okay and I'm like oh my gosh I wasn't going to ask that question you know so Arjuna he has this potency of asking this very direct question which are considered to be more perfect so that's the opening of the 12th chapter and then there's a series of verses and Krishna pretty much summarizes the answer to this and then we want to get into analysis of some of the other verses and the seventh sixth and seventh he says those who worship me, <clears throat> giving up all their activities unto me and be devoted to me without deviation, engaged in devotional service and always meditating upon me, being fixed, having fixed their minds upon me, O Sanaprita, 
For them, I am the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. And uh, I was discussing with Chaman Prabhu earlier. Uh, I recently, uh, uh, I know from appearances, I don't look a day over 30. Uh, but the fact is, a couple weeks ago, I went to my 50th high school reunion. And it was very interesting to see how the bodily forms change. It's like right there in the Bhagavad Gita. It's like the Bhagavad Gita knows what's going on. <clears throat> and also what was interesting was there was a sign in the corner with a list of about 60 names. There were about 100 people there out of maybe 400 in the class. So these are all people who would be like 68, 69 years old. There were about 50 names of people who departed. So, you know, people kind of came over, bowed their head out of respect. But a lot of it was like, oh, my gosh, she was always so young and healthy, and she's gone, etc. And other people like, wow, he was a big football star. Nobody thought he would ever succumb. He was going to be strong forever. So there's always reminders. So here Krishna's explaining, for those that take shelter of him, he says, I am the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. And that example is often given by the Acharyas. <clears throat> if you fall into an ocean, it doesn't matter how good a swimmer you are, you can't get out, you're finished. But if someone comes and lifts you out, then you can be delivered. So that's the analogy that's given by the great uh, spiritual seers, the sadhus, the Acharyas, in our, in, in our line and other lines as well. So I wanted to look at these, uh, this, this 12th chapter and discuss in particular, Krishna says, those who worship me give up all their activities to me and are devoted without deviation. He says, for them, I'm the swift deliverer. So if we're honest, when we read that, it's kind of like, okay, well, what about the rest of us? <laughs> what about those of us who don't give all our activities to Krishna? Our minds are often distracted by different things. We're not always meditating upon him. We don't always be fit. What, 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 what's our status? Where, where do we go? This seems a little bit kind of a, a high bar to follow. And one of the things I did when I went back for this reunion, I went. I have a good friend who's uh, very active in his, his Christian church, and I went to service with him, and it was kind of inspiring. A lot of it's really very bhakti. Um, it was kind of like hearing Gorvani, some of his kirtans. He had a bass guitar and a guy playing drum and all those kind of things. And uh, very much uh, emphasis on how God is the deliverer. So there's a similar understanding there. Um, so in our bhakti process, we want to know, well, okay, but this, this, does, this seems like, again, a higher bar. It's not just you say, I believe in you, Krishna, and that's it. Sometimes people may think like that. Well, you know, I go to the temple and, you know, my salvation is assured. Or a lot of times people say, I go to the church and my salvation is assured. And that's not the process of, of devotional service. Uh, in one sense, our, our, our relationship with Krishna is assured because we understand he's eternal, even before whatever nonsense that may separate us from Krishna. We have an eternal relationship with him, and we're just trying to waken that up again. We're trying to reconnect something that's already there. So how do we do that? So um, it's interesting because in this verse 12, 7, he says, okay, if you're fully devoted, then I'm the swift deliverer. And then he goes through a series of verses, and this is what I really wanted to, to emphasize, where he expands on this a little bit more. So this is 12.8. I'm just going to read the English to save a little time. Again, he's instructing Arjuna, just fix your mind upon me, the supreme personality of Godhead, and engage all your intelligence in me. Thus you will live in me always without a doubt. 
So he said, if, if I'm the swift deliverer, and here he further expands, fix your mind upon me, engage all of your intelligence in me, then you'll live in me always without a doubt. So <clears throat> if we're honest, um, well, let's just take a little survey. Please raise your hands if your intelligence is always 24 hours a day engaged in thinking of God and not your mortgage and not your kid's school and not the milk that's burning on the stove like Mother Yashoda or the fact that winter's coming and you don't have enough salt stocked up for your driveway. Raise your hand if you never get distracted by those things and I am not going to raise my hand. Okay, good. So we're all in this boat together. That's clear. Good. I say if there's a couple, if anybody raises their hand, I would tell you just go have prashad and go home and be happy because you, you don't need to listen to anything else that I'm going to say. You're way beyond that. So this is a really, really important part of the Gita, and I think this is something that, um, for me personally, gives me a lot of hope for myself and for the world, and also faith and trust in Krishna. What he explains in these next verses. So he says two verses in a row. He says just. Think about me, be fixed in me, and I'll, I'll deliver you. So you might think, okay, gosh. You know, either like the English expression, fake it till you make it. Right? Is that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to fake it that we're so, such a, so elevated. There's some stories with, with, with Prabhupada when he uh, went back to India after traveling in the West. <coughs> he was starting to open temples. And, you know, sometimes people, local culture, people may kind of, you know, we all know we live in the world. People like to kind of, they say, strut their stuff, right? So sometimes in Indian temples, somebody would come and like roll around on the ground as if they're just in totally in ecstasy with their love for Krishna. And they went to Prabhupada once or twice and said, what do we do? Prabhupada said, just bring a stick. They'll get up. <laughs> so obviously, you know, if one is in complete devotional ecstasy, we do have examples of great saints like that. They lose their external consciousness you come up with a stick, they're not going to notice you or the stick. They're just noticing God, and they're totally in love with God. But these are people that were pretending. So we don't want to be like that. that, that that's the point. We don't want to be like that. So there, there's hope for us because there's a whole series of verses here. Next one, he says, and it's amazing that this is here. Krishna is talking and telling this to Arjuna, his most intimate devotee and friend. But still, he's going through this for our benefit. My dear Arjuna, a winner of wealth... If you cannot fix your mind upon me without deviation, raise your hand if you're in that category. If you cannot fix your mind, Krishna. I think that's everybody. I'll raise your hand. Okay, I can see your subtle, your forearms are going up there in your, in your spiritual form. If you cannot fix your mind upon me without deviation, then follow the regulative principles, regulative principles of bhakti. In this way, develop a desire to attain me. So here he's saying our desires are kind of distracted by a whole lot of different things. I know mine are pulled so many different ways. But Krishna says if we practice the process of bhakti, we'll develop a desire to attain him. And in just one, per, one, one paragraph of Prabhupada's purport, he says in a very reassuring way, this love of God is now in a dormant state in everyone's heart. Repeat that, everyone's heart. This dormant, this love of God is now in a dormant state in everyone's heart. And there, love of God is manifested in different ways. But it is contaminated by material association. Now the heart has to be purified of the material association. And that dormant natural love for Krishna has to be revived. 
that is the whole process. The whole summary, the whole process is just purifying what's already there. So it made me think, okay, great, you just have to follow bhakti yoga. That's easy to do. Well, it's not so easy to do. <laughs> in our Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition, especially in ISKCON, there's lots of rules and regulations, and there's mandates for chanting a certain number of mantras and so many principles, and not everybody can do that. So we may think, well, okay, the Bhagavad Gita, that means the majority of the world is condemned. They can't do it. Like, again, there are some other religious communities. I was in an awards event the other night, was sitting next to a young man who was a, <clears throat> a Catholic, nice guy. But um, we were talking about purgatory, those of you that know a little bit about Catholic philosophy and how it's changed. And, and, it can't, and then I was asked, well, what happens if, like, at the last minute of life you, you, you repent? That's, that's what he told me. That in their system, you can be like a sinful, rascal, nonsense your whole life, but at the time of death, if you repent, you go to purgatory, which is like, is that kind of like reincarnation? You know, I didn't, I, I didn't meet the guy that long, so I didn't want to put that. But you go to some temporary state, you get further purified, and then you get another chance. So I was thinking, well, what happens if you don't repent? You know, but it was a nice event. I didn't want to ask him to talk about all that bad news. Basically, that's it. That's your chance. Now, you know, there's different philosophies. <clears throat> and and <clears throat> I don't talk about others in the point of view of, of criticizing at all, but just to help clarify our bhakti philosophy, is that Krishna gives you another chance according to our desire, that he's so compassionate and so kind that if we don't make it, he gives us another chance. The whole universe describes actually manifested by God to give us an opportunity to like play out whatever desires we may have and eventually realize, you know, this doesn't cut it. It really just doesn't cut it. Is there some other opportunity? Is there some other option? which is a really important reason for spiritual or religious people to kind of, as it described, wander the world because there's a lot of people out there. Like I had experience, I have to go to chiropractor once in a while. Last week I was with a chiropractic treatment and my chiropractor just took a, uh, took a cruise. Young guy, handsome guy, he's about you know, 30, something like that. Said, how was the cruise? Oh, it was fantastic, it was really good. <coughs> I said, what'd you do? He said, well, you know, we partied. And you know, he said, you know, I said, well, when did you get there? He said, I got there Monday. He said, I was pretty tired of it by Wednesday. I said, how long were you there? Until Saturday. He's like, okay. I said, you know, and he keeps telling me, yeah, it was really good, party. And, and I told him, I said, you know, in the book that we study, Bhagavad Gita says that certain kinds of pleasures describe they're like an emote of passion. And he kept saying, yeah, it was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. Jesus, a lot of fun. I said, mode of passion means like it's like nectar in the beginning and like poison at the end. He said, oh, that is right on. You know, <laughs> you know? young, handsome guy telling me, yeah, it was parties, telling him I've been in the office, oh, I had a great time, was on a cruise, you know, whatever, spent $1,500 or, you know, but I was, oh, we had a great time. Yeah, it was actually it turned to poison, didn't it? Oh, God, it just turned to poison, you know. So people are looking for some alternative you know, they are really looking for somebody to kind of say, hey, um, there's another way of looking at life. So Krishna here is explaining to us who are trying to awaken that higher consciousness that even if we're not able to think about him all the time, he says, that's okay. Practice bhakti, practice the regu regulations. But then we may think, oh, geez, you know, but that's tough. I can't do that all the time. We know so many people, maybe they come to the temple, they practice a little bit, they go away, this, that. There's hope. Krishna says, if, however, you are unable to work in this consciousness of me, 
Oh, no, I missed one. If you cannot practice the regulations of bhakti, bhakti yoga, then just try to work for me. Because by working for me, you will come to the perfect stage. So, you know, do, do something for Krishna. You know, come and mop the floor or give a donation or, you know, do, do something that's working for Krishna. <clears throat> um, Prabhupada says that same work that we do in the material world can be performed for the satisfaction of Krishna. And that is spiritual activity. So if you can't think of him all the time, practice bhakti, can't do that, then work for him. We may think, what about the people that can't work for him? Well, Krishna goes even more merciful, more inclusive. If, however, you are unable to work in this consciousness of me, then try to act giving up all results of your work and try to be self-situated. It's very important, verse 12, 11. Please Take a look at it later. Prabhupada writes in his commentary. It may be that one is unable even to sympathize with the activities of Krishna consciousness because of social, familial, or religious considerations or some other impediments. If one attaches himself directly to the activities of Krishna consciousness, there may be objections from family members or so many other difficulties. For one who has such a problem... It is advised that he sacrifice the accumulated result of his activities to some good cause. Some good cause. Thus, one may gradually become elevated to the state of knowledge. <clears throat> it is also found that when one who is not even interested in the activities of Krishna consciousness gives charity to some hospital or some other social institution, he gives up the hard-earned results of his activities. That is also recommended here in the Bhagavad Gita. Prabhupada is saying. Recommended here because by the practice of giving up the fruits of one's activities, one is sure to purify his mind gradually. And in that purified stage of mind, one becomes able to understand Krishna consciousness. Then he qualifies. Of course, Krishna consciousness is not dependent on any other experience because Krishna consciousness itself can purify one's mind. But if there are impediments to accepting Krishna consciousness, one may try to give up the results of his actions. Last sentence. <clears throat> In that respect, social service, community service, national service, sacrifice for one's country, etc., may be accepted so that someday one may come to the stage of pure devotional service to the Lord. I personally heard probably give a lecture in Mayapur a few years ago, and he said, he said this a few times. In the Gita, Krishna says, I'm the taste of water. Prabhupada's giving class. He said, actually, Krishna's the taste of any liquid, and every liquid. And from this verse, we understand that if a person is drinking alcohol and thinking the taste of this liquid is Krishna, Prabhupada said he will become a pure devotee. That's the Vaishnava understanding of the mercy of Krishna. It's described elsewhere, for every one step we take towards Krishna, he takes ten steps towards us. And I think it's really important for us to understand because sometimes in our earnestness to become devotees of Krishna, we um, put a little undue pressure on ourselves and sometimes undue pressure on others. I, I think, I've never done the search, but I'd be really curious how many times Prabhupada uses the word gradually in his commentaries and in his lectures. It's there again and again and again, gradually. Um, at the same time, we heard, I think we just here the other night, Ananda Vrindavan played a, a little bit of a, a lecture from Prabhupada, and he was saying with real force 
you can become Krishna conscious in a moment. And he looked around like he would do something, open his eye. Remember that? The lecture is like very, like, like challenging us. What is it? One moment? In a minute. In a minute. In a minute, you can be like Krishna conscious. And he looked around the room like, anybody ready? Anybody serious? Why not? What's your problem? You know, that kind of a mood. So it's possible. <clears throat> but for most of us, it's a gradual process. Um, but we are yogis. You know, there's a lot of people that practice yoga these days, and, and generally a, a lot of folks do for, you know, various health benefits and things like that. We practice yoga, and we may do some of the exercises and breathing like that. But within our bhakti yoga tradition, we also are very serious about practicing yoga. As Prabhupada said, to purify our hearts. That's the goal. We want to purify our hearts. We want to purify our hearts and purify our minds. And in order to do that, because we are yogis, it doesn't mean that we say, okay, well, it's gradual, you know, let it happen. Um, Prabhupada would sometimes tell the story of, I may not remember the details, but someone who was trying to um, heat a pot, and the pot of water was here, and the candle or fire was over there. So how long is it going to take to heat in that water? The fire is there, but it's not in the pot. So is it ever going to actually boil? Never. So we have to have some fire of, of, of sadhana bhakti, of some, some Krishna conscious, some spiritual practice to purify us. But, but not that we're not trying and not that we put so much pressure on ourselves that we break. Sometimes this happens. People's uh, spiritual enthusiasm breaks. So they have this expression in the world, being in the stretch zone. Not to be in the, what they call it, the comfort zone means you're just like a couch potato, right? Whatever happens, happens. And then there's the uh, what, comfort zone, stretch zone. Third one, stress. Is it stress? Something strong with that, but that's the concept. You know, they'd be in this stress zone where... You know, it's like lifting weights or something like that. You know, if, if, you, if you don't do enough, it has no benefit. If you do too much, you tear your muscles. So in a similar way in our Christian consciousness, you know, we need to be, based on these understandings, understanding that Krishna is very kind, and wherever I can pick up the process of spiritual life, he accepts that. Even if it's not spiritual life, it's described here, just, just performing some sacrifice for some, quote, good cause. That's a step in the right direction. So he encourages us to do that. And we ourselves should be in this stretch zone, trying to do a little more, trying to do a little better, not being lazy, because we know the goal of Krishna consciousness of awakening our love for God is very, very powerful. So we keep ourselves in this zone, but we don't push to the point of breaking, but at the same time, we don't allow ourselves to be lazy. And the inspiration for this can actually come as we understand a little bit more and more as described again in the Gita spiritual life and Krishna consciousness is actually a very joyful process it's actually, it's actually like today I was actually thinking I really want to go to the temple <laughs> I was thinking I want to go see Krishna who we went to a Diwali event last night in Princeton it was beautiful but Krishna wasn't like there you know so much so so I was thinking I really want to go to the temple and as we make a little bit of advancement in, or just a little bit of understanding just the idea just the idea nobody dies and we're surrounded by death I mentioned my high school reunion 60 names it's like the shock board you know it's like whoa time is passing but we understand that actually no one really dies the body dies the soul doesn't die that takes a lot of pressure off you know your grandma she's out there someplace you know 
and, and your friends and this and that and people that we knew. I mean, horrible situation. I had a friend in uh, junior, junior high school, high school, commit, killed himself, committed suicide. Horrible, very sad. I've known other people as well. We lament that, we regret the pain that they were feeling at the same time we have hope that that soul continues on to another situation. Um, knowing, <clears throat> you know, especially in this polarized world, there are so many people walking around thinking, you're my enemy, you know? You work for another company, you're my enemy. You vote for, you know, Tuesday, right? You vote for another political party? You know? There may be people walking outside trying to scare you away. It's like, whoa, what are you doing that for? You know, because you're my enemy, because you stand. But as, as Vaishnavas, we understand this all illusion. It's like, you really don't like, like Prahlad, you know, said, Father, you really don't like those other people, do you? You really bought into this idea that they're your enemy. Your only enemy, my dear father, is your mind. He was like kind of shocked. So a little bit like that, it's like that as devotees. You kind of walk down the street and you think, on the positive side, actually, all of these people are connected. We're all connected. We all, there's one original supreme personality of God. We all have a relationship with him. And we're connected. And these people aren't my enemies. There may be some competition in this world, but we actually have a relationship with these people. Um, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, he says, I'm the friend of every living entity. He says, I'm not only the friend, I'm the best friend. You know, it's like if you have, like, right, Washington, D.C., or in the corporation, the office, if you have, like, a powerful friend to protect you or take care of you or a mentor that kind of opens up opportunities for you, like everybody wants, in this day and age, Everybody wants a mentor, right? You like to have, you got a friend in the vice president's office or something like that, or in the bank, you know? You got to go in for a loan, a bigger one you've needed before for your business, but you've got a friend there. It's like, whoa, whew, I feel very good that I got a good friend in the bank that knows and understands. So that's Krishna. So that's like a really phenomenal part of our philosophy. And not only is he our, our best friend, he's actually the most beautiful person. And he's the nicest person. He's the most caring person. This is what the Vaishnavacharis teach us, you know? We may have so many doubts. I know my mind is like, eh, I'm not sure. But whatever my mind says, that's what the Acharyas say. That's what the great self-realized personalities tell us about the nature of the absolute. That kind of message is like really empowering and inspiring as it described, makes us joyful. So what are, what are some of the lessons from these verses? Just first, we really, our Vaishnava philosophy is we should be good to ourselves. Um, I like that little bumper sticker. I think some from some Christian church or somebody says, God don't make junk. You ever see that one? So we should remember that. God don't make junk. I'm not junk. He's not junk. She's not junk. According to Bhagavad Gita, we all have an intrinsic, eternal spiritual value. So much so that the personality that creates the entire universe, it's not so good here in Potomac or Rockville, but I was traveling recently up in the skies like, Wow, there are stars out there. I'd forgotten that living in Washington, D.C. There's a lot of stars out there. And the personality from which that entire inconceivable cosmic manifestation comes from, according to our Shastra, actually has and wants a relationship with us. You know, again, high school reunion. I can remember there was a lot of girls that I was thinking, I would like to have a relationship with you. And they were like, nah, I don't think so. Okay, not a lot of laughter. Most of you didn't have the same high school experience. <laughs> I guess most of you, the girls were, the guys were chasing you, so I was a different experience. But you know, it's like, 
you know, some beautiful person, some powerful person. I've been to some events in Washington, D.C. I remember, I'm not going to name the country. I went to some event, and there was an ambassador there. I wanted to go meet him. And, you know, it's like you do these events. You kind of stand there with, you know, the two people are talking. You kind of walk up, keep a little respectful distance. And generally, if they're ladies or gentlemen, at a certain point, they kind of recognize your presence, and they invite you in. Or, you know, it's just kind of, I went to this one thing. I remember really, this guy just kept turning. And I was thinking, like, is the earth moving? Because, like, his back, you know? And I was kind of slow, but at a certain time I realized he really doesn't want to talk to me. You know, it was very strange because he didn't have to just move himself. He had to move the other. That's not Krishna. Krishna wants to talk to us. Krishna wants to see us. Krishna wants to play with us. Krishna wants to hug us. He wants to embrace us. He wants to be with us. That's the nature of, of, of God, according to our tradition. So the lesson from these verses, be good to ourselves, be gracious to ourselves, and be diligent, you know, to make further progress in spiritual life. But always know that Krishna is there to help us. And whatever obstacles, whatever impediments may be there, he'll help us overcome those. That's what it means to be your best friend. Your best friend's always there. And then the second thing to keep in mind is going out from ourselves in terms of others. As Prabhupada mentions here, this phenomenal purport, in that respect, social service, community service, national service, sacrifice for one's country may be accepted. That we also um, keep in mind that uh, we, should, we should learn to be broad-minded and we should appreciate the efforts of others. Even as it's described many places, you know, we know. First Canon of the Bhagavatam explains that life, there's like a bird cage, that's the body. And then there's the bird, that's the soul. And if you just polish the cage, the, and if the bird dies, what use is it? You know, it's terrible. Or example is given if someone falls into the ocean. I mean, we did a drama like this years ago. I don't know if you used to do dramas here in D.C., but in Denver we used to do all these plays. And then we did a little drama. Someone's like, help, help, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. And someone come in, don't worry, I'll save you. And they would like jump in the fake water and then they would have this whole scuffle. And then they come out with the sport coat of this person and say, hi, ma'am. You know, here you go, ma'am, I saved your husband. And then she would cry, oh, no, you just saved his coat. And meanwhile, he's drowning over on the side. You know, <clears throat> not the most sophisticated drama ever composed in life. But, you know, the message was clear that there's a person, you know, just like you save the coat but not the person, it's useless. The message is very strong. If you save the body or if you take care of the body without the soul, that's also useless. But at the same time, other efforts that are there to help people appease the problems of the mind or the problems of the, of the body, the problems of the economy. Those are valuable and we should, we should appreciate that and also help try to encourage people, hey, you know what? There's an additional way to perform welfare work in the world. This actually takes it one step deeper. And um, as followers of Lord Chaitanya and Srila Prabhupada, you know, we see how compassionate they were. Um, you know, I, I, I try to reread the biographies of Prabhupada on a regular basis, and um, as I'm fast approaching the age at which Prabhupada left India, no money, no institutional support, and just a place to stay for a couple weeks, you know, at seven years of age, out of his compassion, he came for, we sh each one of us should think, Prabhupada came for me, because he did. He came knowing that we were out there looking for Krishna, looking for God. He came to give that. And then he spent years of his life struggling. You know, his struggle was a very serious struggle. Um, it's described when he was going and trying to get 
printing done, I think the Bhagavatam, maybe even the Back to Godhead, but he would go to the printers and the printer would ask him, um, Swamiji, have you eaten yet today? He'd say, no, I haven't eaten yet today. Because he was saving every paisa to try to get his books published. So he'd have his books he could put in the, in the trunks to put in the boat to bring with him here. You know, I mean, that's, that's real sacrifice. You know, like, there's a lot of parents here. You know how you sacrifice for your children. This is the kind of sacrifice Prabhupada made for people that he didn't even know. And then he came, you know, an aristocratic gentleman had, had lived in, you know, some degree of affluence in India before he took sannyas. He comes, he lived on the Bowery. I don't even like to drive through the Bowery. You know, what to, and if the lights are out, you know, if it's after dark, it's like scary, like lock the car. Prabhupada lived there. Why? He could have, you know, he could have gotten on a boat and gone, but he was very comfortable in Vrindavan. He was a sadhu, you know, people respect, they had a place to stay. Prabhupada going to the, to the famous mantra rock dance, you know, he's, he's a real gentleman. Even his disciples in New York said, Swamiji, this is too degraded, you can't go there. These are like Western, former hippies saying, you're going to go hang out with the hippies in San Francisco? That's like another level down. <laughs> it's one thing to hang out with wild, crazy New Yorkers, but San Francisco? You know, the whole hate Ashbury age? But I was like, no, this is my mission. I have to go. And then, of course, famously, after he was there with chanting, and all that, he, as he walked out the door, he said to some of his disciples, he said, this is no place for a brahmachari. He had a wonderful sense of humor, too. So, and, and so many things. Prabhupada starting the Hare Krishna food relief, empowering disciples, men and women, to open temples. He said, I want all of you to open temples. Why? Because there's such a need. So that's the level of compassion that is coming from Krishna's representatives and ultimately from Krishna. So in summary, we should be diligent in our own application, understanding that Krishna is so kind. Even if I mess up, you know, if I mess up, he's still there to help me. He's still there to help. He wants to help me, and he will help me. And wherever we are, again, there's a tendency in this world to become, we judge ourselves and we judge others. That's not pleasing. There's a biblical expression, right? Judge not, lest ye be judged. So that's something we should try to, you know, weed out of our hearts because we don't, we don't want Krishna to judge us and condemn us, so who are we to criticize and condemn others? So wherever we are, you know, if we, <clears throat> we come to the temple once uh, every six months, try to come once every three months, make the next stop. Once a week, come a little more often. We're chanting, you know, one round of japa. Say, okay, Krishna, let me try, let me make two. What's the next step? Am I giving... 1% of my income to the, to, 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 you know, Christian conscious, to movement, to good causes, give 10%. If I'm giving 10%, uh, how about 20? What's the next step? The nine processes are there. And to give our heart to Krishna and to try to give our heart to his mission. I don't know if it's still here, but they had a plaque in the Bajari room in the past. And had this one, I think, a quote from Prabhupada's lecture. He was saying, those who are worshiping the deities, they should think, you know, I'm so insignificant. I have this one little thing to bring you. How can I offer this to you? But please, please accept it. And, and again, in the Gita, Krishna says, if you have nothing, a leaf, a fruit, a flower, water, offer that, you know? Just imagine, like, it's Diwali season, right? Some relative comes to your house. Hi, I brought you a dead leaf. You couldn't even bring a small box of sweets, right? Krishna says, no, no, you don't need to bring me sweets. Bring water. Bring a leaf. Any problem finding leaves outside? I mean, just think about it, you know? Imagine you go downtown, knock on the White House. I'm here to see President Biden. I brought him a leaf. Right? They think, what, would you nut? They lock you up. But you come here, my dear Krishna, I brought you a leaf. Oh, thank you. 
I accept it. If there's a little love and devotion, that nature of, of, of the Lord that we're, that we're trying to worship and that we're trying to understand. So let us all be very attentive and careful. We don't be judgmental on others, but we should encourage others. We should encourage ourselves and always know that Krishna is there to help us. As he also says in the Gita, <clears throat> you know, he carries what we lack and preserves what we have. It's, it's, it's kind of like the odds are stacked against us to win, <laughs> you know, because he wants to help us, and he does help us, and we just have to go a little deeper in understanding of how kind he is, how merciful he is. Push ourselves a little bit. Don't be lazy, but at the same time, don't be artificial. And also, I think, just last comment, to be, to be very careful. There's too much self-righteousness in the world. One of the big reasons the world is such a mess, and it's a mess, is there's too much self-righteousness. Everybody's walking around thinking, I know what's best, you know, politically or economically or culturally, you know, or, 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 or my nation's best or my tribe is best or my, my religion is best, <clears throat> my philosophy's best. And Vaishnav culture is based on humility. Krishna says that the first principle of knowledge is to be humble. So to be able to think, you know, I may have a little bit of knowledge, a little glimpse of, of God, a little glimpse of philosophy. There's so much more to know. And if somebody can share something and teach me a little bit, I am all ears. I'm all ears. I'm all open. But if, if, if we start thinking, oh, I know so much, I'm doing so much, I'm better than anybody else, you know, there's also <laughs> pride cometh before the fall. It comes before the fall of nations. It comes before the fall of companies. It comes before the fall of people. So we should really, really avoid that and be open-hearted <coughs> and recognize we need as much help as we can get and be in the same mood of trying to help others. And if we do that, Krishna says, that's also the most pleasing to him. So I'll stop there. Thank you very much. Maybe some time for questions, Ananda, if there's any questions. And I recognize they started serving the feast early today. So those of you that stayed in here, I, I, I really appreciate you are the true yogis. I'm not criticizing them. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just appreciating those of you that stuck around. Yes, yes, yes. Appreciate even more importantly. So, uh, yes. So, what is the relationship between love and worship? You said Krishna loves everybody, but is he love everybody or just those who worship him? And he loves us and our love to express to him is worshiping. I just heard a lecture just the other day. Prabhupada said, the son may forget the father. Mm -hmm. He said, the father never forgets the son. You know, or the mother never forgets the child. So that's the nature of Krishna. You know, we, we, we rebelled at some point in time. It's our philosophy. You know, sorry, got us. <laughs> you know, we rebelled. But Krishna doesn't, doesn't forgive us. He, 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 he relates to us according to the way we relate to him. He reciprocates with us according to the way we reciprocate with And at the same time, he's in our heart the whole time. Paramatma is there the entire time. Ishopanishad, right? Two birds in a tree. One's enjoying the fruit. The other's just patiently waiting. I mean, imagine again, you, somebody says, hey, you know, we're good friends. Can you come to a party with me? Yeah, what do you want me to do? Just watch me have a good time. Are you going to stick around for that? Is it? I mean, just think about it, you know? Just in terms of our personalities and... Per we're not going to do that. What kind of a fool would do that? You know? Well, a fool that really loves that person. I just want to be with you. And that's what Krishna says. You know, so it's kind of like peeling off the layers of our dullness and realizing, wow, who is this person? Nature of this personality. What is the nature of this, this truth? 
and I can actually attain that, I can actually become part of that? Yeah, but we have to be purified. And the main thing we have to be purified of, as our Buddhist friends say, is desire. You know, Krishna's there. Prabhupada said, right, in a moment, in a minute, in it. But it's like, we're like, wow, in a minute, but woo, this material energy is pretty good. You know, and that's what we have to remind you. Well, okay, well, this is beautiful, but where'd it come from? Where's that beauty from? But there's so much knowledge here. What is that knowledge? He's the, he's the supreme knower and knowable. You know? This music is so nice. Okay, anybody out there in that rock band or in that jazz band or in that classical music, show me the last time they melted a stone. I mean, that's the claim. His music melts stones. You know, it's like, whoa, this is serious stuff. It's like that. So we have to become more aware. So the love is always there. But he, 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 we don't see it. We don't taste it. We don't experience it. Because we've, we, we said, go away. Go away. My dear friend, please go away. Go away. Then he says, okay, I'll go away. I'm just going to hide, though. I'm going to hide in your heart. And when you're ready, and not only am I going to hide in your heart, I'm going to be reminding you all the time. It's like you walk down the street. Jesus loves you. Ah! You know? Hare Krishna, Hare you know? Excuse me, sir, we're talking to people about, you know, I don't want that. But however it comes, you know, it's like, okay, they don't want it. But he keeps trying. That's his love. Thank you. Go to a lady, and then Chamaji, you're next. Hare Krishna Prabhuji. Uh, like you said earlier, uh, so I know, I believe our mind should be attached all the time to the Lord Krishna. I didn't say, he said. <laughs> yeah, but... We are human beings, and you know, especially when you are living in a family, married life, and so all these worries, they are there. How should we get rid of that and think constantly on him and mm, forget that's about a beautiful those worries? Question. Yeah, that's a great question. My dear Lord Krishna, you've given me these wonderful children. Now please let me be the best mother I possibly can to take care of them. Because I know whatever love I have for them, you have even more. My dear Lord Krishna, you've given me this nice house, but I actually know it's your house because in a moment, something could happen and it's gone. So while I'm in this house, let me take care of it nicely because it's yours. Let me mow the lawn and get rid of all the weeds so everybody drives by and thinks, wow, those Hare Krishna people, those Vaishnavas, they keep such nice houses. They're such nice people. My dear Lord Krishna, now I'm going to work and my boss is such a ogre. But I know that you've put me in this situation to try to help do the best I can because you said all that I do, all that I offer and give away should be done as an offering to you. So this is, I'm not doing this to serve this ogre, though I will with a smile on my face, because I know that behind the scenes everything belongs to you. He's not the proprietor of this company, so I'm the best I can. And maybe even if you so desire by my, you know, because behind the ogre's mask is a, is a hurting soul. Bhakti Tirtamaj used to say, I think he might be quoted somebody else, but that every human expression is either an act of love or a cry for help. So that mean, nasty person we run into, that's a cry, they're crying for help. So sometimes by our, you know, trying to be humble and sort of, I mean, even they talk about this in leadership books, you know, if you, you see that guy eventually realizes this is somebody I can trust and he gives more authority, more and more responsibility, and their hearts also change. So everything we see through the eyes that's connected to Krishna. Is that okay? And we also ask, and, and let me, you know, 
let me interact with these things in a way that helps me come closer to you. You know, not that I have, okay, this house belongs to you, Krishna. I think I need a bigger house and a bigger house and a bigger house. This house belongs to you, so let me understand it's your mercy. Simplify my needs so I have more time to think about you and to worship you. I don't want to spend all day long working three jobs because I'm, I'm not satisfied with my three-car garage. I have to have a five-car garage or whatever it is. You know, Porsche's not good enough. Now I need a private plane. Even though I have nowhere to go, I want to show off my friends. We live in Potomac, and this area, you know, that kind of comes up. Yes, Chaman Prabhu. Oh, first of all, I give you an A plus for today's lecture. I, my wife, she was grading you. I don't know what she, uh, her grade is. <laughs> uh, but thank you very much. It was very nice. Uh, one thing you said, which um, uh, that even if you're doing community service or government service, that's also Krishna's service. <coughs> He says that it will bring us to spiritual life. But I'll, I have another quote. Thank you. You didn't know I had this ready, but thank you. Okay. <laughs> this is, can, I, can I quote something oh, directly yes, yes. related? This is from Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who's one of our great acharyas just 100 years back, from a book called the Sri Tattva Sutram. Those who think that devotion to God and kindness to the jivas, the individual souls, are mutually different from each other, and perform accordingly in their life, such persons will not be able to follow the devotional culture. Their performance is only a semblance of devotion. Therefore, all the types of beneficence to others like kindness, friendliness, forgiveness, charity, respect, etc., are included in bhakti. Charity of medicines, clothes, food, water, etc., shelter during adversities, teaching of academic and spiritual education, are the activities included in the devotional culture. So those are all just part of, you know, we have, we have a soul, or we are the soul, who has a body and has a mind. And these things also need to be taken care of. Sometimes, you know, the charges are really heavy in their criticism of only taking care of those materialistic things because the body's going to die and we're going to go elsewhere. So we need to cultivate the needs of the soul too. But we can't, sometimes we take it to the other extreme and we, we think we're so much focused on, it's like, you know, in, in this world, like let's say a parent's so focused on, they want their child to be an academic success and they push and push and push and push them, but they don't think about their social life and, you know, their, their, their emotional life. And, and sometimes those people end up being like really broken because they weren't dealt with in a, in a balanced way. So, you know, we're like a, multi-dimensional being. So that's understanding. So basically that if you have a balance of bhakti and charity, uh, both go hand in hand. Yeah. That is you're doing Krishna service also by helping somebody in charities too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was, last night I was driving back from Princeton and some guy came up and said, um, at the gas station said, can you help me out with a few dollars? I'm a military family and I'm just trying to get down the street. And I was like, I've heard that exact same story from so many people. I don't know if I leave you, but I told him, but I do have something to eat. Are you hungry? And unlike some people, he said, yeah. So devotees had given us some nice sandwiches, prashadam sandwiches. So I gave him the prashadam sandwich, and he drove off, and he was like smiling. And I thought, thank you. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny example. The other thing but as is far as you go, Prabhu, you, any additional charity you have, you talk to me. We'll work it out, okay? <laughs> I'll take your advice. <laughs> but the other thing what you were saying was that uh, we are all Krishna's creatures and he loves everybody. 
that has made a difference in my life. Uh, people would do things which are uh, wrong and you used to hate those people. You know, why this person did so much wrong to me and uh, you have a grudge, you have a uh, you think in something bad happens to them because they did something to you. Uh, that has gone away. When he, uh, in extreme cases that's different. If somebody did something wrong, uh, there's no hatred. You just look into it, he's a fool. He's, uh, he's in, misinformed, uh, and, but don't hate that person. Uh, and pray to Krishna that he gives this person intelligence to know wrong from right. And that, that, that has made definitely a, a difference in my life uh, where you don't have grudges against people. Even if they did something wrong to you, you just look into it, look, uh, that's fine. They were misinformed. They, uh, you know, hope God gives them enough intelligence that they know that what they did was wrong. That's a wonderful expression of what Bhaktivinoda Thakur says is the devotional culture. Yeah, thank you. Really beautiful. And also, to free ourselves from that, we benefit too. Because, you know, walking around with anger and grudge, grudges and, and resentment, that's painful. That's really painful. Thank you. That was really, that was beautiful. We should all pray to be like that more and more. As again, biblical thing. Hate the sin, not the sinner. So. Well, uh, we do have to end now. So if you have any other questions for Anutama Prabhu, please, uh, he'll be taking lunch. He'll be around for uh, pujaris, those who serve Krishna on the altar. And this is in preparation also for our new temple. So, uh, also really want to make a special welcome to N <laughs> Nava and your son. Nava Kishore. Nava who's that? Rowan. Rowan. Oh, lovely. Today we had two, Keshava and then Kishore. Today we're blessed with all kinds of wonderful old timers. So welcome, welcome. So good to see you. Okay, please take prasad. Have a wonderful week in consciousness. Reflect on what you've heard. Bring those leaves, bring a leaf every day to Krishna somewhere, wherever you are in your life. Gather those beautiful leaves. It's a season, so that's a good one to remember. Thank you to Anutrama Prabhu. What an amazing class. We hope we hear from you again. Hare